You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about murder books with author Wendy Hurd. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am mid-book in a great book, may end up being one of my favorites of the year. Now, this Ooh. is interesting because it didn't come out. So, okay, it's called The Memory Police by uh, Yoko Ogawa. Uh, Ogawa. <gasps> oh, my God. Um, translated I love by her. Stephen Snyder. But um, it did not come out in the States this year. It, but it, I mean, sorry. It came out in the States this year, but was originally published. Um, in Japan? Yeah, I don't know what year, though. That totally fucking counts. 94. So. Totally counts. It's quite old. Totally counts. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, it's very relevant. It, this is, I cannot name a book that is more my wheelhouse. It's a kind of slow-moving, interesting book about a world in which um, it's an island and things disappear from people's memories on the island. So, like, one day they're like, oh, um, um, roses, they're not a thing anymore. But roses don't exist. So then you take all your roses and you burn them. Or in one case, in for the case of the roses, they threw them in the river. And then after a few days, your memory of roses go away and you don't remember what roses are. Oh, my God, and that's like, terrifying. Also, things like hats, birds, um, uh, uh, music boxes is a, like, specific one that's on there. And then you just take them and you burn them. Uh, or you get rid of them, and then in a few days, you forget that they ever existed. Oh, my God. Peop- but there's certain people in this world who can remember for some reason, and they don't know why. And then if that happens, the memory police— the memory police are, is a complete, it's run by, this world is run by complete fascists. And they show up at your door and they're like, we're going to check the insides right now. And they check around to see if you've kept any, like you kept, you kept some fruit or roses or something. Um, or to see if you might, act, might remember. So if you kept it, you have to throw it away, but you might get in trouble. And if they think that you can remember, they take you away and you don't return or oh you God. come back like dead, they return your body to your family. Um, so the main character is a novelist and she's writing and um, essentially she ends up knowing someone who had, her mother could remember, which was a problem and they think it might be genetic, but she can't. And then she ends up knowing someone who can remember. And that's kind of all I want to say, but there's like an element of like, you know, helping people in this sort of like resistance, um, but also this like science fiction element. It is great. Um, it is like, it's such a good book and exactly the kind of book that when I saw that it was coming out, I was like, I got to read this for the end of the year because I feel like it's maybe, this is such a Bria Wheelhouse book. Um, anyway, what are you, what are you reading? Uh, so I am listening to uh, an essay collection on audiobook from the library on Libby. It's called Make It, Make it Scream, Make It Burn by Leslie Jameson. And she's the author of the collection that came out a few years ago called The Empathy Exams. Oh, yeah. And this new collection, it's very simple. If you like The Empathy Exams, this is a definitely pick this one up. It's like... Uh, essays that are very emotional and like examining our emotions. Uh, the first uh, essay is really interesting. It's about, uh, you know, Blue 52, that like whale that is by himself in the ocean because his song is different than all the other whales. No. Very, very. This is sad. It's, well, she, she goes into that about how there's like a lot of people who are obsessed with this whale because like they are looking at the whale as lonely. She's like, but what if this whale is just like doing its own whale thing? Yeah. And how like this whale is so interesting because we project all of our emotions onto it. Yeah. When it's like, we don't know how this whale feels. Maybe this whale is like very happily by himself or herself. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really interesting collection. Um, it's great on audio. She reads it. So, wow. Um, that's make it scream. Make it. Wait, wait. Oh, oh, yeah. We have two weeks in a row. New Sean book. <laughs> wow, Sean. Participated. I mean, it's the holidays. Sean has got some hot bonus content for us. <laughs> okay, so I'm reading a cookbook. Oh, great. By Yasmin Khan. It's uh, a book about Palestinian food. Oh. And um, I can't. Re- I don't really know how to pronounce the the title. That's okay. You're gonna use all those spices we got you for your birthday. Some of them, yeah. What 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 is the title? Uh, Zaytun. Oh, okay. Z a t o u n. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And it's Palestinian food. Palestinian food. Uh, so obviously there are many similarities to different types of food from all around that area, but and it also makes a lot of point to uh, kind of uh not give space to those voices because this is just about Palestinian food oh, yeah. and Palestinian experience and um, uh, talks about, 
how uh, food and culture, like, they can't be separated from everything else that's going on and has gone on for such a long time in that region. And Yeah, food's a great cross-section of, like, politics, but also economics and, well, like, power dynamics. and All of that is uh, reflected in the type of food they eat yeah. and, and the way they eat. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of a really um, nicely written book with heaps of delicious things in there. Have you made anything out of it? Not yet, because I only started uh, reading it the other day, but I sent Bria a a recipe. Oh, is that from that? Yeah. Oh, uh, because we have avocados, but I don't think they're going to ripen, and you can apparently, uh, you can can, like flash pickle them, right? Yeah. A pickled avocado. Yeah. Hold on, flash pickle. That sounds like that would be your power if you were a wizard. Pickle, pickle, pickle. pickle. That would, God, if I could just like automatically pickle things. I mean, what a dream. Um, But yeah, that, I mean, I'm going to, I may try that. Um, Sean brought over uh, some pickled jalapenos last night and I just ate them right out of the jar. They were so good. They we, were really good. We, it's fun. That's one thing that unites the three of us. We're all big pickle fans. Uh, you know, oh. get the on that pickle train. <laughs> this is the, the pickle fan club. He's very <laughs> excited because we're about to have lemons, and he was like, "I can, I can start pickling those." He was a except, pickle lemon. except in an Australian accent. Say it. <laughs> I can't I'm going to preserve lemons. Preserve. <laughs> preserve lemons. Oh, preserve okay. lemons. Wow. Oh, mm-hmm. God. <laughs> uh, so I am reading The Memory Police by Yoko Agawa, uh, translated by Steven Snyder. And I am listening to Make It Scream, Make It Burn by Leslie Jameson. And Sean is reading Zatun, Zatun by Yasmin Khan. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Rebecca wrote in about our Harry Potter episode. Mallory's story about turning the car around after hearing a spoiler reminded me of my own experience with Harry Potter spoilers. The first and only time I've ever resorted to physical violence was over a Harry Potter spoiler. I was in middle school when Order of the Phoenix came out. I was partially through the book when a boy in one of my classes told me that Sirius Black dies at the end. My arm basically swung out on its own at that point and punched him. I couldn't believe he had done that. I couldn't believe that I had done that. It was horrible. After that, I made sure to pick up every book at midnight, go straight home and lock myself in my room until I was done. I just want to point out, this person said they punched him in the arm. They didn't just punch him. Because if you punch someone in the face, I think it's a bit much. Yes. Over a spoiler? Let's not punch people in the well, face. Well, it depends on the book. Let's not promote violence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, Alexis wrote in about audiobooks and said, um, I just finished your podcast on audiobooks and just want to say that what a great job you guys did. Thank you. There can be a bit of elitism when it comes to audiobooks, which is pretty gross. I also agree that memoirs are the best audiobooks, especially if the author is the narrator, because it feels a bit like a conversation. But I wanted to highlight specifically funny memoirs and autobiographies. Jenny Lawson's Let's Pretend This Never Happened and Furiously Happy are amazingly funny and give a great look at mental illness. Another amazing audiobook memoir is Anything by David Sedaris. He narrates all his own stuff, and it is fantastic. Agreed. Uh, Just a last note. I totally relate to using uh, podcasts and audiobooks to to relieve anxiety. I use them in the shower when I'm about to go to sleep and when I'm walking around campus. Reading glasses has definitely become one of my favorites. Awesome. And Grace wrote in with The Wheelhouse, which is cozy mysteries, which have specifically groups of women of various ages and backgrounds who knit or bake and also solve murders. And they're quintessentially lovely small town where everyone knows everyone. Nice. Uh, self-help books of all sorts. Uh, books about cooking, even if even if it's fictional, anything where the character is a chef or a cook or a baker and the food descriptions are link- lengthy. I just love it. Uh, books about books or authors, readers, or bookstores. Female comedian or actress memoirs. P.S. I'm sure by the looks of my wheelhouse, I sound like a six-year-old grandmother, but I'm a young 24 years old. No shame. <laughs> I like a young 24. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Grace is one of those toddler grandmas we talked about. Oh, could be a toddler grandma. Pe- mm-hmm. Pegging you as a toddler grandma, yeah. Grace. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk to author Wendy Hurd about murder books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is supported in part by Serial Box. Serial Box offers premium serialized stories from critically acclaimed and best-selling authors via weekly installments that can be consumed by reading or listening. Users can switch between formats with a simple click, picking up right where they left off. And on December 12th, Lightning strikes at Serial Box with the launch of Marvel's Thor, Metal Gods. Marvel's Thor, Metal Gods continues the centuries-old saga of Thor and Loki as they team up for an adventure of cosmic proportions, confronting the sins of both their pasts. And Maximum Fun listeners can get 20% off the full season of Marvel's Thor, Metal Gods by visiting SerialBox.com podcast. That's SerialBox.com podcast. 
Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. This week, it's all about murder books. Why do we love them? Why are true crime books and thrillers so popular? Are we all fucking masochists? <laughs> Luckily, we've got author Wendy Hurd in the studio to talk about it. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What are you reading? Oh, wow. So I have 2020 books in front of me right now. I have <laughs> Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier, oh, which yeah. is so oh, anticipated. I don't know this book. Yes. And, and I have a book called Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Ah. This is actually an East LA set Dia de los Muertos book, which I am so excited about. Oh, Maybe cool. That yeah. That's cool. That's, I mean, that's really the point of being an author is so you can get advanced review copies. Advanced yeah. copies, <laughs> yes. And so are you reading these at the same time? You like read multiple books at the same time? I actually had to select between the like 40,000 books that are <laughs> on my desk at the same time. These are the ones that f- have floated to the top. They're the ones I'm working on right now. Yeah. Makes sense. That, yeah. We, we understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Big mood. We, we know that life. So speaking of books, can you tell us about your new book, The Kill Club? Yeah. So The Kill Club is a book about a woman who gets drafted into a vigilante murder trade program to save her little brother. It's actually set in, in, in Echo Park. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was really Which excited really when you emailed because I was like, oh my God, she's in LA and this is an LA book. Yeah. 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 I'm, an, I'm not only an Angelino, I'm a fourth generation Angelino. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. That is so <laughs> rare. rare to I know. meet someone like, I mean, you're like, my grandmother is a tree. Like, I've been here since. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what part of uh, Los Angeles did you grow up in? Uh, we North- can cut this if people are bored. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. North Hollywood, Van Nuys. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, like, yeah. working class LA. And yeah. my grandfather grew up in Watts. And uh, my great grandfather was like a glass blower in downtown LA. Wow. So I'm like really connected to LA and I don't get to see a lot of like working class LA books. You know, the LA that I feel like is most of LA, I just don't see it in books that much. So yeah, everyone assumes that all of us are actresses. Like, yeah. yeah. We're so, and we all live in like Hollywood for some reason. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We all live on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> there are struggling waitresses who are waiting to be actresses or we all live in a massive mansion together doing cocaine. Right. Right. There's no, right. There's no in between. Um. So yeah. So I interviewed a lot of people because I wanted to see if this murder trade program I was planning was something that people would even do. Like I didn't want to get a bunch of reviews that said like this would never happen. So all all the stories in this book are actually true stories, just fictionalized so that people won't, you know, have their stalkers or ex-husbands coming after them. But like, these are all true stories turned into these sort of like desperate people who have tried to get help and couldn't and sort of organized. So so wait, you interviewed people and you asked them, like, would you do this? Yeah. Do and you have someone in your life that if it. there was like a totally anonymous way to get rid of them— and all you have to do is kill a stranger in a very easy way, knowing that stranger is just as bad. Do you have someone in your life that you would do this to? And the stories I got were like, I like need a banjo. It's like, yes, I have an ex-husband. He used to stalk me, threw me down the stairs. They gave him custody of our children, and now we took him to another country. Like, it was just like story after story after story. Jesus. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. All right. Wow, that's some research you did. So murder books and the people who love them. Wendy, what drew you to writing thrillers? Are you a big thriller reader? Yeah, I am a big thriller reader, but I think when I was young, I started writing really young, like right out of high school. And I so it took me a long time to publish a book. And I thought I wanted to write literary fiction, but I would sit down to write literary fiction and then thrillers would just like come out. <laughs> Everyone's dead. What's happening? <laughs> so, you know, eventually you kind of accept that you kind of write in the genre you write. You don't always know why. It's not even always the genre you read, funny yeah. enough. Although I do love mystery thrillers and like true crime and everything, yeah. So, Bria, what about you? What happens when you see a murder book, fiction or nonfiction, and you go, oh, I want in on that? Like, what is that thought process like? Yeah, I don't know, but I am am drawn to them. I mean, not writing them, but so Mm -hmm. much. um, But but I am drawn to them whether or not I mean to be, I guess. Um, I mean, same with, like, books, podcasts, documentaries, movies— like yeah. I watched so many murder in movies. all forms. Uh huh. Yeah. Murder across the board. It, I will say I don't know if it's the like it's like the most extreme human thing that can happen. 
or it's something that I'm like very scared of, always scared of murder. Like, I mean, yeah. that's something yeah. I think about probably. I, I yeah, I don't think that ever, you know, gets dulled down. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, and so I don't know. I don't know what it is, but definitely I'm, I see that. And if there is, it doesn't deter me. It is definitely more of a, uh, a draw for sure. If some, if it's like, and there's a lot of killing in this book, I'm like, well, great. I'm excited to read this. You know, like this is fantastic. Um, I also, I think it's, this is such a small thing, but I think, you know, it'll be kind of exciting at least. Like yeah. if you see a book and it's like, and then there's a death and they're trying to solve it. Right. And I'm like, you know it's not going to well, be boring. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they're trying to solve the case of like the cat that stole the mittens, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's like, Although, <laughs> I'm in for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That cat steals so many mittens. There's a series of cat detective books. Do you That's, know the Siamese oh, yes. cat detectives? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I yeah. do it. But, but, I, I but I the like cat the- is not the detective. They're not really, but they so- they help solve. They always yeah. provide the key piece of evidence. Right, yeah. right. The cat like is like brushing against the like murder weapon or something. Right, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm in. I am into that There's shit. A, it's like a huge series. It's like it's a called- hundred million copies have been sold or something. Yeah, it's like the people cat like who mur- blah blah blah. People like murder cats. They yeah, do. people love. I murder- mean, if you combine the two things the internet is most interested in, it's uh-huh. murder cats. Yeah, murder and cats. Actually, that is a really good cross section of basically. And- if you want to write a best selling novel. Call it murder cats and mm-hmm. just put some. I'm taking this idea. No one. No, <laughs> you should trademark that right now. Yeah, I'm <laughs> calling my literary agent immediately. Um, what, what about you? Y'all, y'all are drawn to um various murder books. Yeah, I think maybe especially as women. Do you guys remember that essay that came out? I think it was in the New York Times about like why women in particular are drawn to true yeah. crime. Mm-hmm. I think we have a curiosity about taboo subjects and like all want to know on some level like. How dying happens, so we can avoid it. You know, yeah, I think that's there's what they say like on my favorite murder a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. And there's the you know there's the factor of like oh I can't look away from the train wreck kind of feeling that comes from that. Because um, of that, I think it's a really powerful storytelling tool. Like if someone's died, you immediately you want to know how, mm-hmm. you want to know why, you want to know who. And for me, I saw like very weirdly cathartic. Like we're no, you're never going to stop worrying about dying. Yeah, you know, we're all worried about being murdered. So it's kind of weirdly soothing. <laughs> I think you found the name of the, sh- the, time, the episode. <laughs> we're all worried about being murdered. Uh, it's weirdly soothing to read about. Like, oh, this bad thing has already happened. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true. Like, it's no, over. I it's see what you're over. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, um, there was a podcast called The Happy Face Murders, and they— I, I remember you telling me about it's this. It's really—maybe I've already talked about it on the show, but um, it was about uh, this— woman who her father did the happy face murder so it's like the daughter of a serial killer and they follow her around and she goes and talks to like the children of his victims and stuff it's a it's a great listen but she talks about when she was a kid they would watch um america's most wanted and uh unsolved mysteries and stuff like that and uh she realized she was watching it because she was like how do i not get killed how do i escape these criminals and her dad was watching it to be like how do i get away with this like that was like she like realized that that was why they were watching this show together so it is interesting like the different things people get up not many people are watching for that reason but so i I feel like maybe there's a percentage of true crime fans that are like "Hmm." yeah no for sure (laughs) they they were trying to see like how to get a get away with with stuff why do you think you pick up thrillers you know what? I had a I was interviewing a clinical psychologist at one point for my first book and she said something that I'll never forget. She said when you're writing a dark book, the the thinking subconsciously is this is the familiar darkness, but this time I'm in control. <gasps> wow. Yeah. And I'll never forget that because I think she said what we like to do is to try to find a way to make sense of and control maybe things we've seen or have happened to us or that have affected us in some way. Yeah. Wow. And I wonder if it's the same for reading. Oh, for know, sure it is. Because you're, well, you're experiencing it in a, a controlled environment. That's right. So you're mm-hmm. taking yourself through this stress cycle of like, because, you know, walking around outside at night is scary. Um, my, um, me and my ex, Alan, still share our car. We are stuck in this uh-huh. uh, lease with our my fucking Subaru. So we switch the car on and off. So like one week a month, I have to walk to the gym and yeah. I go to the gym before dawn. Yeah. So I walk in the dark. Yeah. It's only, it's only like a mile, but like every time I'm like, is today the murder day? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I am like holding my keys. Like I'm ready. So when you, and it's like that feeling you're keyed up and I think when you're reading a book, you are taking yourself through that cycle of emotions, like being scared that the murder happens and this is almost a catharsis. Yeah. But you're in control of it because you're reading it and you could stop it at any time. That's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's like a weird soothing thing. Yeah. 
Also, like, if you know, like, the more you read about it, the more you can, you know, ways that people can murder you. Yeah. (laughs) You feel more in control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can, you're, you know what to be prepared for. Oh, yes. Well, sometimes I come in and it scares the shit out of me. My roommate is wicked in a true crime podcast. Mm -hmm. And I like walk in and I hear like, and then she was stabbed. And I'm like, Jesus (laughs) Christ, Kate. But she was like, she came into the kitchen one morning. She's like, you know, do you remember that murderer that was puncturing Tylenol. Uh, oh yeah, I know that one. And she's just yeah. like, I think we all we want to like collect all these ways so we know if we if, like if, if we're informed enough, we can avoid things. We can know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. We're like subconsciously trying to protect ourselves. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I I do think that that's part of it. I don't even know if it's subconscious. Yeah, I feel like it's like I'm consciously going like, okay, cool, cool. Even like horror movies, even horror movies that are like oh, yeah. set in space or something. I'm like, great, okay. When like I go to space, not we'll my avoid real that. life. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I'm on the moon, I'll totally avoid that dark, yeah, yeah. dark moon alley, I guess. Uh, but what, so is it, do you think it's different between true crime and like nonfiction and horror thrillers? Is one like more scary than the other or more likely to pique your interest? So like when you're writing a thriller, you're trying to scare someone and also make them so curious that they'd rather be scared than put the book down. Mm. So it's this weird like concoction you're doing. Whereas mm-hmm. I think in true crime, it's just, here's what happened. Yeah. The actual act of what's done, I actually find real life so much scarier than fiction because it's just that the reasons people kill and the things they do are just so like banal and dirty and small and the the murders are, they're not interesting. There's no greater reason that they're doing this. It's always just some disgusting, like, you know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's we're all hoping for like this ma- like this mastermind serial killer who's like, you know, spelling out a secret message on people's right, abdomens. Right, like, right, right. But most of the time it's just like some fucked up guy who hates women. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Like it's like because you can actually in a in a fiction world, you can sort of find the reasoning behind it, yeah. which makes it seem slightly safer than like the guy who's just like random random real life murder. Yeah, yeah. You know, dude McGuy over there, like just hating people. Yeah. yeah, that that is interesting, and I think that is what makes them more scary. As a writer, do you ever do you ever think to yourself, "This is too scary. I can't. This is too scary. I've I gotta write something far. a little better." Yeah, like, there's some things I won't write about. Oh, like, really? I won't write about violence against children, mm. especially sexual violence. Yeah, I won't write on page sexual violence. Like, there's certain things I won't write on page, like animal violence. Like, there's certain things that I just. You know, I will take it up to like a certain line and then I'm like either fade to black or um, just I won't put that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. just to do you think it's just something people might put down the book or you think it's just too scary or you're just not interested? I don't know. To me, it feels like um, I don't know. It's like it crosses some sort of personal line. And I think we all have our own personal lines. Like I was mm-hmm. chatting with someone who says they see a lot of pedophilia in British crime fiction right now, like a lot of crimes I have against actually children. actually weirdly noticed that myself. In true crime? Or in in fiction, yeah, yeah, interesting, yeah, and like so, a lot of people just feel like they just it's too much, you know. And but we can't shelter ourselves from that in true crime. It just is what it is. Those things really happen, and you can't filter them out or set any kind of boundaries there. Right? Yeah, that's true. Brie, are you more scared by true crime or yeah, really nonfiction, true crime? I don't read it that often because it's too scary. Me too. I, I I will occasionally, and then I do listen to like my favorite murder and a couple other yeah. podcasts. But um, you know, I travel a lot alone, or my partner travels a lot, and so if he's out of town, I am not listening to any yeah. of that. I just, I mean, sorry, I like delete those podcasts when he's out of town, and I'm just like, I'll listen to them, or I can like let them build up when he's back. But I won't do it because I'm too. Yeah. That scares me more. But I can read, you know, like I can yeah. I can pick up a thriller, I can pick up a scary book. As long as it's not too real to life. I like the ones that, like, take me out of my life. Like, if I'm alone, I'm not going to be picking up a true crime book. Yeah. It's too scary. Like, I can't handle it. Interesting. No, I'm yeah. totally, I'm the other way around. I really? Think. Although, I will say, so I think fiction is more cathartic, uh, like, ultimately, just because I know that I'm much more likely to get some kind of happy ending or, yeah. like, the guy might be caught. Because, you know, we all know in true crime books, like, that might not happen. Right. You know, oh, you mean because in a fiction book, usually there's an ending. It's like yeah, tied it's up. Yeah, like with a bow. you know, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. Like Michelle McNamara passed away before they caught that guy. Yeah. Like that book, it just ended with like a plea to hopefully help find him. That is scary. Yeah, they did find him though. Yes, but they found they, him. <laughs> I, I wonder. I, I I bet they put that in the paperback. I wonder if they did an updated version of the book. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I bet they did. Um, yeah. but I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I, I I think if I had to choose, that fiction is scarier just because of the way it's written. 
Um, especially like, I think on a, like a purely biological level, like I'm still in that like adrenalized space mm. and my brain isn't thinking, oh, this is real. This is not real. Mm. Um, plus, you know, people are really fucked up. I think whatever happens in a novel can happen in real life and vice versa. Mm. It just depends on how it's written. Um, I, I think the, like format actually is from like i won't listen to either one of them on audio okay mm. like i started listening to i'll be gone in the dark in audiobook and i was and i was listening to it literally in the shower and i was Ugh. like what am i doing no no you can't <laughs> it's too scary what am i doing but yeah. i think maybe fiction i think a lot of true crime isn't necessarily written to scare us more to inform but a lot of thrillers like you said they're meant to thrill and like yeah mm-hmm. you know psychological thrillers especially like are meant to scare the fucking shit out of you yeah so they kind of, you know, equal out for me. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Audio scarier. Audio is so scary. Yeah, I don't ever trapped. listen to it on audio. Maybe the podcasts yeah. are scary, but like I never I listen do, to the books on audio. I don't do a lot of murder podcasts. I do a lot of spooky radio dramas. <laughs> no <laughs> but sure. those are like ghosts and stuff. Yeah. 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 But I won't, do, I won't do the true crime things. I don't know why. I mean, ghosts are murder books because ghosts. some ghosts have been murdered. And maybe some ghosts do the murder. Yeah. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. But yeah, I uh, <laughs> shut up, Sean. <laughs> what was that? Was Mur- that a murder song? Ghost? That was the Murder Ghost theme song. Mur- yes, Murder Ghost is the sequel to Murder Cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. TM. <laughs> TM. Yeah, I am. These are all my ideas. <laughs> murder Ghost. Screw you all. Like fast forward, there's going to be a thing on like some expose where like you know one of you stole Murder Cats from the other <laughs> one. Oh, yeah, like, years from case. now, and Bria and I have competing Murder Cat books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats yeah. Murder and Murder Cats, which came first. Yeah, and you'll listen to this podcast will be. In it will be uh, submitted as evidence in court. Yeah, they're like, listen, obviously Mallory was she even thought of murder ghosts. Come on, so I, I, Mallory had the sequel all set up. I'm ready to ready to roll. You cannot trademark a title, Mallory. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. true. Uh, but yeah, I think um, I, uh, uh, when books are written with some kind of intent and like they are trying to make you feel a certain way, like I think some true crime books are definitely like, ooh, I'm gonna fucking spoop you out, mm. but. Some are just like, oh, I'm presenting these as fa-. like um there was a great book. I cannot remember the name of the author, but it's called The People Who Eat Darkness. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gotten it from the library and then didn't read it because it seemed too scary. It's it Japanese, was- yeah. Yes. Uh, and I actually picked it up because my tattoo artist in New York did the illustration on the book cover and he was like, Oh, you should check out I saw it in his shop and I was cool. like, Oh, that looks really good. Uh but it, it's not as scary. It's more like a mystery. Hmm. So it's it didn't freak me. It didn't scare me as much. But it is nonfiction, right? Yeah, yeah. But it, so it's more presented as like who? How is this? Yeah, like you know, I, we're trying to solve a mystery here instead yeah. of like I'm scaring the shit out of you. All this bad, all this bad stuff happened. Here's a bunch of scary things that mm. happen to people. Huh. I, so I think it depends on the on the way that it's written. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what of our what are some of our favorite murder books? I Priya. felt like this was a this was an unfair question for a thriller writer. <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that gif where you shake out a scroll and it rolls along the floor. <laughs> yeah, so I thought maybe I would tell you like some recent ones that I liked because yeah, like I don't nice. know how to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what about you? Tell me. No, yours no, first. no. Go, go. You're the guest. You please, are the, you're the murder expert. Oh yes. gosh. Okay, so in YA, I recently read All Your Twisted Secrets by Diana Urban. Oh, yeah. and I it never heard starts of that. out with the countdown. So. It's like 12 months ago, 11 months ago, 10 months ago. And then it's like there's a ticking clock in the present tense. So there's like a countdown in flashbacks and a countdown in present tense where they have like an hour to live. But then she goes through the last year of time. Oh, wow. It's crazy. It's so good. That one comes out soon. And then. um, Oh, it's not out yet. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's always okay. art. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, no, this is scoop. We got the scoop. Okay. He's got the murder scoop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then also coming soon is, um, I think you all would really like this actually. It's called The Lady Upstairs. It's coming out next year too by Hallie Sutton, a local author. And it's an LA noir about a blackmail ring run by women that takes down terrible men. Oh, wow. So, Into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. And it's like, it's like they um, they photograph high-powered men doing these things and then oh, take great. them down kind of a thing. And then there's like a murder and all, everything explodes. Into it. Oh. Yeah. Um, let me think. There's a, a female serial killer book coming out called They Never Learn by Lane Fargo, Ooh. which is a college professor female serial killer. Oh, I like she that. Stalks I, yeah. her campus. I'm noticing a theme with these books that you like. <laughs> lady killers. Yes, I love me some lady killers. That's actually also a great book. Lady, Lady Killer. Killer? Yeah. yeah, it's a book. Uh, I can't remember the, the name of the author, but uh, I listened to it on audio a couple of years ago. 
Uh, but it's all about, it's just like a, oh, it's the Giggling Grandma book. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean remembers. Yeah. Uh, it was a book about, like, it's just a, a collection of, like, stories about female serial killers. And one of them was called The Giggling Grandma. Yeah. You know what? I actually yeah, do think I maybe read this Seriously? Book. Yeah. yeah. She, like, giggled while she killed you? Yeah. Ooh. Nice. That's that, terrifying. That is really terrifying. And she was a grandma? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Giggling, oh. that's... I, it was in a very early episode of Reading Glasses. Wow. Uh, what about you, Bria? What are your favorite murder books? Um, what I read recently, which I didn't talk about on the show, I did put it in our newsletter, but um, it's called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Oh, you, you told me about this. Yeah. I want to read this so it's bad. It's a Polish mystery mm. slash thriller that involves, in fact, you would like it. I don't want to give away too much, but it is. it involves um, the death of people in this very, like, I don't, I don't know if I can call it. It's a small town, but then these... Older people live out in the woods, and um, there's it follows. There, there's a main woman in the book. Maybe I did talk about it on the show. No, you, it was in the newsletter. Okay, um, and uh, the main the main woman lives alone, and someone turns out dead, or one of her neighbors, and she's like, "I think this was a murder," and she's like convinced it's done by like the animals or something. Like she's like trying to figure it out, and um, but then people start dying around her. And there's only like five people who live in the woods, so there's not that many people to die. Ooh. So it's like it's like a, you know you can just see nice. it happens unfolds so it takes pretty place quickly in the woods. Yeah, in the in the Polish woods. I'm super so in. scary. Sounds amazing. Um, I'm so in for this shit. And nonfiction one I wanted to recommend was um, this book called Starvation Heights. Did you do yes. you know about this book? Yes, no. Lady Killer. Yes. So you'd be into it. Um, Lady Killers is the theme of the episode. It really is. I actually. know all about this. Um, I'm so excited. Oh my god, it's about. A woman who was a, I'm going to say doctor, in yep. quotes. She was a doctor-ish. Um, around the turn of the century, she helped people. Oh. It was like there was a lot of— um, I thought you meant a doctor like she is a sexy doctor. No, no, no. Right. She's like not a TV. real doctor. The opposite of sexy. Yeah, yeah. Not sexy. Um, her, <laughs> she was like, so you know, there were all these like fad diets at the time to help you get healthy. And her thing was like, um, I'll help you get healthy by starving you to death. And she literally would— kill her patients by starving them. Not all of them. Some of them were like, she cured me of, you know, my uh, whatever, you know, the hysteria or the things yep. that people were all suffering from. fake things that yeah. everyone was, yeah. No, some of them were real too, but then, but then some people died. And this book is told sort of from the point of view of two sisters who go and stay with her and go to this island. It is horrifying. Oh my God. About half the book is like the court case that happens afterwards because people die. Uh, But yeah, it's great. Great nonfiction book and not a super scary one because I don't think it could happen. I mean, it could happen now, but it would be very hard. You know what I mean? So like... Like starving you into health. Isn't that just LA? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, there were parts of it that I was like... Because her whole thing was like, yeah, you gotta gotta get all the bad toxins out. And I was just like, oh no, this is like some things that I've read lately. Um, So... That's a really good one. And then I was going to recommend a comic series because we haven't talked that much about comics that involve like murder Murder comics. There are a lot of—sorry, I'm trying to put this on hold on the library. The Starvation uh, Heights? No, the— um, I Drive Your Plow Over the Bones that, There's a wait. There's a wait. I had to wait for it. No, for just the bit. L.A. Public Library website is a little clunky. Yeah, overdrive. Do Overdrive. Go, um, go to Overdrive version of L.A. Public Library. Or you'll just remember when you hear the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um— there's a series, a uh, comic series called Chew. Have you read this, Mallory? Oh, yes. And the guy, he has to, he just solves murders by eating a piece of the... He has to eat a piece no of the... No way. So he gets like a psychic Gross. impression when he eats a part of the person and he kind of uh. like can figure out... There's a, there's another comic that... Uh, is now a TV show. Too much. Too gross. Yeah. Too gross for me. Especially but, since it's a comic. Can it be hair or does it have to be like fleshy? I love how hair is the good thing. <laughs> You're know, like, I mean, oh, hair is also, the... Ew, I don't know. Hair is the less gross option. I don't know. Yeah. It seems better than other parts. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I feel like he can also like just like lick it. I feel like it doesn't have to actually be ingested. <laughs> if I remember no, correctly. I want to know that Sean is dying over this conversation. Uh, he's it, just it, walking up to crime like, scenes and licking the body. Pretty much is what he's doing. He doesn't have to like eat a lot. If I remember correctly, but maybe he did. I, I would love that, like, the very first time, like, his mentor was like, hey, buddy, you don't have to eat that much. Yeah, yeah, hey. <laughs> you didn't eat the whole arm. He's, like, sitting there, like, like he's uh, really just going like to town. I'm just like, picturing LAPD, like, what the fuck? He's like, no, he's a contractor. He's a private contractor. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Let him, it's his method. Let him do it. Um, anyway, but it's a psychic, and he gets in a psychic imp- impression. I was just thinking about this book because I was trying to think of it. it, it the series ended a while ago, but um, it's, it was a really fun, fun series that, um, God, is it in LA? It takes place in a big city, and he's like solving murders and stuff. And there's a bunch of volumes of it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's few. Yeah, it's good. It's really fun. Yeah, 
It, it's super fun. What about you? What um, Can you name some really good murdery books? Yeah, I think my favorite kinds of murder books are less about the murder itself or like a serial killer or whatever and more about like how it affects a person or like a group or a community. Yeah. Like I love Why Dunnets. Nothing makes me more happy than when you open a book. It's like, I killed my sister. And then like the and whole rest of the book is rewinding like how ah, you got to that point. It's not who. Mm, why? Yeah. A why done it. Is there another, is there other versions of this? Is there a what done it? Or how when done, it? done it? <laughs> I think honestly most monster books would probably be a what done it. Like, mm. Oh yeah, that's true. Like what see, monster done it? When you have that moment where you're like, no animal could have done this. It sounds oh, like what yes. you're talking about is a kind of a when done it because yeah. it's a countdown. Yes. You know, when. Yeah. Yeah, all the different, all the different done it, all the different done it, and I love a why done it, um, <laughs> love a why done it because I think not, I I really am interested in like the psychological effect, like you know on a care like um, Donna Tartt's a secret history is amazing. It's about all these college kids, and you know from the very beginning that they this group of kids has killed one of their friends, like not a spoiler. It happens on the first page, and then the whole rest of the book is is rewinding like how they got to that point and like how someone gets to the point of I, like that's why your book is so cool like why what pushes somebody to murder how it affects their the, like the dynamics of their group because uh, Don Tart's secret history is great because it shows how it affects all their friendships and like because everyone's like oh if I murdered someone I wouldn't tell anybody I would never tell the police but some people like are racked with that guilt like how it affects them uh Megan Abbott books are also great yeah, for that basically all of her I'm obsessed with Megan Abbott but you know like from go in her books that something bad happened and the um impotent like the the fuel to get you through the book is you're so desperate to know why yeah like what the fuck happened you know like some kind of secret is involved something is happening here to push this person to do this thing and like the dynamics like that i think it's like why also part of why i like horror like you want to know that like inciting incident that made this person crack yeah and like all the situation that is surrounding that um i just absolutely love it so the, yeah megan um uh, megan abbott's um the end of things is good and uh dare me yeah. um, soon to be a tv mm-hmm. show yeah. yes i'm extremely excited yeah. about that um so yes big big megan abbott recommendations always and so you can send your thoughts on murder books to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we solve a reader problem we're gonna take a quick break Hi, it's me, April Wolf, the host of Switchblade Sisters and co-writer of the new horror film, Black Christmas. And I'm Katie Walsh, film critic and occasional host of Switchblade Sisters. We're here to announce that for one episode, we will be doing something a little different. Much like Jeff Goldblum and David Cronenberg's The Fly, I will be going through a truly disturbing transformation. April will transform from the interviewer into the interviewee. I will be asking her all about her new film, Black Christmas, her writing process, and ongoing existential dread. But I will also be discussing John Carpenter's perfect masterpiece, Prince of Darkness. You guys seen any movies you like? So tune in to Switchblade Sisters for a one-of-a-kind episode with April Wolf and me, Katie Walsh. See you then. Only the corrupt I listen to now. So now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Dusty writes in, what is the etiquette on having an author sign an advance review copy? Is it okay assuming you meet the requirements of the signing? Wendy, what do you think? My thing is I'm so grateful when people come to one of these things <laughs> because I've seen them where they're just like empty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so if you're there and you want me to sign something, I'm happy to sign anything you want. Um, body parts are fine. Just nothing that would normally be covered up on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no so, butts. A midriff is fine signing. then. A midriff is okay? Midriff is fine. Sure. Bring, bring the belly. I'll sign the belly. Great. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you? So arc, if someone shows up with your arc, you're like, yeah, fine. Yeah, for sure. If someone brought like a a uh, screener of one of your movies how how would you feel would you sign it uh sure yeah of course yeah that doesn't bother me i mean it's i it's seems weird but i guess yes of course if, if but they aren't the difference between like a screener well that's not true so we're about to hit screener season in los angeles california which mm-hmm. means that if you're it's in a union of any sort uh, you will get screeners from various, like, they're like, oh, oh yeah, my my roommate's uh, on the SAG board this year, and I oh. feel like you should, can just uh. open her door and, like, just, like, screeners fall out. Well, they don't do this a lot at, for SAG, but I was on the SAG board one year, and she can go to screenings, whatever. Anyway, there's some great things you She's, can... She goes to the screenings, but they also still send her the screeners. Yeah, 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 same. But, um, uh, like, there are interesting ones, because Netflix will send ones that you open, and they, like, play a preview and Whoa. shit. Like, Netflix goes all out, like, for these... 
This is not book related. Anyway, so someone brought something like that. I mean, I feel like those are kind of collectibles in yeah. some ways, you know? Um, I, I will definitely defer to the both of you as far as, like, the arc thing goes. Um, I, I mean— um, I don't know. Like, so at most, I feel like at a lot of these events, you have to buy the book there anyway. So it's, you know, not a lot, not all of them, but a lot of times they want yeah. you to buy the book or they're like, yeah, whatever. Like I just went to Aaron Morgenstern's Starless Sea event and like to get in to see her speak, you had to buy a copy of the book. Yeah. I would say I also like want, like, my question would be, where'd you get this? Which may just end up being a conversation where they're like, I'm a book podcaster. Yeah. I'm an author. And like, yeah. I would kind of be curious because if you like came up, I'd be like, oh, you must be an author. Like, let's talk about you being an author. You yeah. know, like, I feel like it's almost yeah. a conversation starter. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, if someone had like ripped a movie of mine off the That's internet what, and yeah. then signed, and there was like, here, right. that would be Sign different. this bootleg DVD. Sign this like bootleg <laughs> copy of my, of the, of your book that I printed out from, that, that would be weird. Yeah. But I, 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 for yeah. me, it doesn't bother me. I, I think it's fine, but I'm going to defer to y'all because you do author signings yeah i've actually had this happen a bunch and i think it's fine like you said depending on where they got it um i do want my my friend kevin hearn was actually talking about this on twitter the other day and there's a lot of feelings on either side um like if you bought it at a bookstore you're what you're doing is essentially buying a pirated copy of someone's book as you're saying like you buy the arc yeah because one the author's not getting paid for that. That's really what it comes down to. If you go to a bookstore and buy, and they're selling advanced review copies or even bound manuscripts or whatever, uh, that bookstore is getting paid, but the author is not and the publisher is not. So yeah. what it is is it's essentially a pirated piece of material. I see Because it literally says on the front, not for sale. And then, you know, a lot of authors, like me and Wendy, if you have feelings because it's not copy edited, like you're, it's it's only for promotion. So. Yeah. But if they buy, I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second, but if they buy that and then the bookstore is like, oh, this sold, I'm going to go order another one. I mean, I guess if it's a used bookstore, Maybe. then it doesn't super matter, Yeah, right? but in new bookstores wouldn't, don't sell arcs anyways. This is only right, right, for right. used bookstores. So right. it's for so like those new used bookstores that sell both. both yeah. yeah, they might, like... They're, they're like, oh, this we sold our, all the arcs of Lady from the Black Lagoon. Well, and I guess yeah. I should know too that like the reason a bookstore has arcs is usually because the author like personally gave them one of their own author arcs that uh, they have. They get like twenty or whatever. Yeah, they want. Or it's because like the publisher mailed it to them to, for promotion reasons. for promotion so that they could see if they wanted to order it. They're supposed to give them to their employees. They're supposed I to use them, them for promotion, donate them, whatever. Yeah, give them to the library, whatever they want to do with them. But mm-hmm. they're not supposed to sell them. They're not supposed to sell. Them. I had actually a really interesting experience recently where a reader came to my signing with Ark and he he bought it on eBay. And it yeah, was weird because them. he was he was spending money on something that didn't support anybody. Not even a bookstore is getting helped with right. that. And can I be real? Like it's probably not that much cheaper on eBay. Because my thought that's is what I, that's they're what buying I mean. this on eBay. Because yeah. still buying it. That's so a, let's say you paid five dollars for it. So like paid ten. You and, know, like and that was the thing. It, it made me it it definitely made and I know that it wasn't his fault and I um but it made me uncomfortable signing it for sure. Cause I was like, basically he was like, yeah, I bought it on eBay. So what you're saying is like, Hey, I bought a pirated copy of your work. I didn't, I spent money, but you're not going to see it. Yeah. I do think maybe the, the, some people who may not be educated about this. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, like, I do not think it was his fault, but it, and I felt yeah. bad cause I immediately was kind of like, Oh, okay. Like it was hard to, yeah. like, yeah. I've had that happen. It yeah. is kind of awkward. Cause you're like, Oh, and you just like you said, you're like, okay, but you don't want to be mad at this person no, because and I, they like, didn't it's not know, probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, it's one thing, like, if you're a collector of arcs, like, de- like I have, I've actually signed arcs for people and I've had people be like, hey, I, I you know, I collect these, but yeah. I bought a hard copy or I got it from the library sure. or I or listened to it on audio. I'm a book podcaster and I yeah. get a lot of fucking arcs. I yeah. mean, I think that's fine because yeah, you're, you're like, talking about it and, you know, the, yeah. you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing with it. But, I, yeah. it's, but it's also, I want listeners to think, like, if people only brought sent out arcs like no one would ever I would never get paid (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like like if you went to if you did a signing and people only brought you screeners you're like oh wow no one no one here spent money on my movie only bootlegged copied from LimeWire and that's kind of what it makes you feel like but if you like already bought the book or supported it in some way and you got the arc beforehand because you're a reviewer a book podcast or whatever like that's fine but say that because it definitely puts the puts us in a weird position Mm -hmm. and like so I felt this was when my book was on sale on Kindle I was like oh hey you know it's for sale on Kindle right now for $1.99 if you want to buy a copy because it just makes you like it just makes you feel bad yeah you know like I'm a full-time author now like this is how I live like this is my job yeah this is my full-time job so if I if I went to a signing and it was only arcs I'd be like oh wow 
I can't eat today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of times I think people might bring an arc because they're like a blogger or something. They have yeah. the arc, but they they bought it. They might say, I've had people say something to me like, oh, I bought it on Audible, but can you sign this arc for me? Yeah. Or I bought it on Kindle. And, can you sign this arc for me? Because I don't really need two print copies, but I wanted to support right. you. Or yeah. also yeah. like, I mean, here's, I mean, and maybe you feel differently, but if 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 they are a blogger, yeah. they've written about it on their blog, exactly. which is the whole point. That's all they right? needed to do. I mean, that, like that they was did helping their thing. you in yeah. a way. Yeah, right? and that's again, like I think it's definitely a, a way to sign a conversation. Yeah, start, yeah. start I, a conversation. And if someone shows up with this arc, like let's say, okay, let's say I've already bought on, I've already bought Lady from the Black Lagoon as an arc on eBay. <laughs> Me, Bria, I Bria. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> <laughs> I bought the actual copy, but let's say I did. A nice thing might be now is to go online and be like, I loved this book. Exactly. Yeah. Like, let's say I don't want to buy it again. I don't have the money, whatever. I can go online and talk about it you can a review lot. It. Yeah, review yeah, it. Yeah, review it. Like, do something to yeah. help out that author because yeah. when it comes down to it again, you are you bought pirated. Right, right. So, but book. talking about it publicly, which word of mouth is so important for these kind of things. It's just like that. Yeah, that that's, why like I wanted, that's why I wanted to answer this question on the show to kind of like, because if you're a reader, you're just, like you're not thinking about that no, kind no, of, of things, not. and like yeah. it's the it's the it's the fault of the guy who's selling it on eBay. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's not any reader's fault. Yeah, and who is that jerk? Is he working <laughs> There's a, a lot of them. Is he Wait, a, it's a just John with a mustache <laughs> on, <laughs> selling all the arcs we get from reading classes? <laughs> I <laughs> noticed that like after I do a conference or something, and a lot of arcs, like if I signed arcs at that conference, yes. they'll always show up on eBay. Uh, that's when that's I see the, a lot of them. Honestly, that's why a lot of authors force you to personalize a book for like it, like you can't oh, just get like I see a lot of people like oh you have to write a name in there because you can't just write that's a that's a trick people do on um like headshot signing yeah yeah, yeah. so you can't sell them so people yeah my whole theory on headshot signing not that my headshot's worth anything anymore at one time maybe it was but people I would always just be like people would be like can you sign five of these and be like you know they're gonna sell them on ebay and I'm like cool that guy has a weird job fine <laughs> if this is yeah. his job yeah. let him do that like that's fine with me it's it's a little different than with books I think though yeah um I just think you know people just need to know more yeah. like I I have bought arcs before when I was a re- I had no idea like uh there's a bookstore again that I won't name and the other one that I, we were talking yeah. about and uh, like I found a copy an advanced review copy of some book and I didn't even really think about it like I, and it was a dollar like I was just like oh cool yeah and I didn't end up liking the book anyways but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't review it um but I just had no idea. You weren't yeah. thinking about yeah, it. No. I wasn't like, ha ha, I am, I am an evil villain and I will buy this pirated, pirated, you know, material. You're just not, people don't know. Yeah. And the thing is, if people can, they're going to, like, you can't blame the person who picks it up for a dollar. No, you blame exactly. the person who put it on the shelf. Yeah. Even though they knew they weren't supposed yeah. to sell it. But yeah. it, again, it just broke my heart that this guy spent money on this not as good version of my book that didn't yeah. even have pictures or a cover or anything. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, it's on sale. Like, you could get a real version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. in the, like, there's photos in the final copy of my book that yeah. you don't get in the copy edited, or the, the arc that is, it hasn't even, like, there's so many fucking typos in my Oh, there's arc, so many like, typos in the arc. Uh, Whatever. That's so, yeah. It's just like how it is, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I catch them when I'm reading our, the arcs that we get. I'm always like, oh, oh yeah. typo. I always am like, should I tell somebody about this typo? We actually, we have a listener question in an episode coming up. We do? Because I want to tell people about it because I'm tell, like, I tell, catch typos. You can you tell the publisher about it. You can't. You don't tell the author. Right. Oh yeah, good one. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, we have a um, we have we have a listener. We're cover it. Okay. Great. We're gonna we're gonna cover typos. <laughs> um. But yeah, no. I so if I feel like if listeners are are hearing this episode and they're like, oh my god, I bought arcs. Like they're people are gonna come into the book police are gonna come into my in <laughs> knock my knock. Home. It's the book police. We're here to <laughs> see if you have any arcs that you bought off of eBay. Yeah. <laughs> don't panic. But you know. Just be aware for future things and that those arcs that you spent money on, you know, like Wendy said, try to, you know, throw them a review on Goodreads. Tell somebody about it online. Like, try to pay it forward as much as you can because, actually, I think you brought it up and I really want us to do this next year because we are uh, running out of episodes for 2019 but do a whole thing about how authors are paid yeah i think we should oh yeah yeah because call I, it the yikes episode yeah yeah, yeah oh. how authors are paid and how how they how like you're like oh they got a good advance and you're like that advance had to last three years oh, so would yeah. you like me to come and just like cry right. in the <laughs> yeah, i got really upset. Upset. we'll just have a chorus of crying authors <laughs> through the entire episode i got really upset recently because i did an event and i won't say where it was and i won't say who was interviewing me live but they were the person interviewing me was like oh well you're a best-selling author author you know things are great now and I was like I literally would have made more money off of my book this year doing anything else yeah 
any like I, I, most in art people don't realize. I I like uh, when I first started acting, I was on a TV show and I was doing like the, one of those morning drive time things where mm-hmm. you have to call and like be on all yeah. these morning drive time shows. And I remember they were like. And they were like, what are you doing with all the money you're making? I had two roommates. I was sitting in our really cold garage because I was trying not to wake them. And I was just like, I don't even own my car. And I was like, what the fuck do I tell this person? Because I wasn't making that much money. I was just, I'm just on a TV show. Like, I'm paying off my credit card debt and I can survive for a few months. You're like, I'm buying in bulk. Rice rice in bulk. Yeah. (laughs) You heard of dried beans. (laughs) Um, The person interviewing me seemed all like, first she thought I was joking. And then she was like, seemed offended because I was like, kept telling her she was wrong. And she was like, oh, that's really funny. I was like, like live on stage. I was like, I'm not joking. Like, yeah. I am really hand to mouth right now. Like, she now was that like, you're super rich. And she was just like, uh, okay, next question. And I wanted to be like, no, motherfucker, don't tell these people that. Like, yeah. so that's, I, I think that's why authors get, feel bad when people are like, I spent all this money on an ARC on eBay. And you're like, but I need to eat. (laughs) And you didn't get as good of a copy of a book. Oh no. So I think we should definitely do a whole episode where we break down exactly how authors get paid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And we'll all just cry. So so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Wendy, where can we find you online and where can we buy your book? Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, My website is wendyherd.com and I'm on all the socials with at Wendy D. Hurd. Wendy's a very good follow on Twitter, by the way. Really? Very good on Twitter. Oh, well, thank you. And you're you. also a podcaster. Do you want to talk about it? I do. I, I co-host a podcast called The Unlikable Female Characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, nice. The it's super fun. It's super fun. I was listening to it last night. It's really fun. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah um, I think it's, it's like t- just kind of unpacking feminism as it shows up in, in thrillers and in books and in media and maybe like exploring our own maybe problematic areas and interviewing people. It's fun. I was going to yeah. ask you what your real house is, but I think we already know. <laughs> no, wait, tell us. Ladies tell us holding what, what, knives. Is there something surprising in your wheelhouse that you would make you pick up a book that we can't guess from listening to? Actually, I have a real soft spot for books that are kind of Nick Hornsby-ish. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, really, yeah. I just like, I think I like character. So like books where you're for any, in any genre where character is like the big thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're going to learn something about humanity and I also really like books that represent the world around us a little better than books sometimes do. So like books with LGBTQIA representation, diverse books, just interesting books with older characters, books with younger characters, book with books with, you know, mixed ethnicity characters, mm-hmm. like just all different things all over the board. I, I actually read a lot outside my genre because sometimes reading mystery thriller feels like work. So yeah, yeah sure. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just like pick up something totally off genre and like really enjoy it. Red, white and royal blue. I like loved that book. Did you really? I've, I've actually yeah. thought about it because it's like been on all the like best. It's of, a smoochie book, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. And it, but like. I heard it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like a Casey, I know her from Twitter and like we've chatted and stuff like that. But like, so I picked up the book and I was like, oh my God, I love this shit. So yeah, I think. I just like character, anything with character. I'm going to read that book. That feels like something yeah. I should read over the holidays. It'll yeah. make me feel happy, Christmas right? book. Yeah, like it'll make me happy. I'll yeah. feel, right? Yeah. It'll, it'll make me feel like warm and fuzzy, kind of. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. it, you're very, you're like, eh, is it? Eh, well, it's, eh. am I, can I be happy? It's also quite steamy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Yes. I, I like a sexy book. John is out of town. Same. <laughs> 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 so as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you want to support the show for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, we're going to do something big and exciting when we hit a thousand reviews. Uh, we don't know what that is yet but it's going to be great. <laughs> so, uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. And, and thanks, thanks for reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.